All right, welcome everyone back to another episode of Midgar Minute Podcast. I'm Chris, joined as always by my lovely and faithful co-host, Nick. What's going on, everybody? What's going on, Chris? What's going on, Midgar? Hey, all right, and real quick before we get into this episode, just want to, as always, give shout-outs to the Mosey Gang. Uh, Scott, Kyle, AJ, Danny, Kevin, Jillian, Brianne, Matt, Sam, and Charlotte, thank you guys so much for your kind, kind support, and if you, uh, listener, are ever so compelled to throw some gill at our faces, uh, we got links <laughs> in the uh, in the Spotify's and in our socials. If you ever feel so inclined to do so, but as always, you're there. You're under no obligation to do so. We're None. just happy happy to have you here. You know, listening to our dulcet tones of you know what is uh, going to be uh, some really effed up shit. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no, we, these will not episode. be happy days ahead of us. Yeah, this so uh, for those of you who did not watch uh, or listen to the previous episode, uh, we are continuing our Crisis Core uh, run through here, and we are just about to get to kind of, I would say, like the most important event in the chronology of FF7. That sounds- I would say so. Uh, they, I think everything orbits this event. Yeah, and I think it's probably the most like influential event aside from like Genova hitting the planet, maybe. Yes. Maybe. Yeah. So basically, we're going to Nibelheim. <laughs> we're going uh, to Nibelheim. To Nibelheim. Um, and I we right off the gate. Um, it already feels kind of like we were already talking about in the last episode, like the one prior to that as well. That Sephiroth kind of felt like he was kind of almost teetering like it's like he's kind of like there's a slow progression of like he's like something's off with him right like you kind of know that something's off about him but as soon as we get to Nibelheim he just it almost it's almost like a a switch has been flipped (laughs) and he's just immediately becoming unhinged as I like to say a lot the cracks are starting to show yeah Sephiroth and um the mask is sort of coming off and he is uh you know, he's normally very forward in the things that he says, and he always speaks with confidence. But now there's this, uh, Weird, there's this, there's like yeah. this other, this other like underlying tone. Like when, when you first walk into Nibelheim, uh, he actually talks directly to Cloud and he's like, oh, how does it feel, you know, coming home after all this time? Like, I wouldn't know because I don't have a hometown. And, uh. Which is already kind of a weird thing <laughs> to say, I guess. And then uh, Zach's like, oh, what about family? And he's like, oh, my mom's name is Genova. And my dad, ah, why am I talking about this? <laughs> you know, kind of like, and I wonder. And if again, it, he's been very forward before this. You know what I mean? Right. Yeah. And he's very much a kind of, yeah, he's a very matter of fact kind of guy. He doesn't really kind of mince words. Right. So it's already kind of weird that he's like, you know, he kind of is like laughing at this idea of like, oh, my father, like, ha, ha, ha. But, and, and it's funny because at this point in the story, he still kind of believes that. Like, he still believes that he's a normal person. I mean, he probably has his doubts. He's starting to have his doubts. Yeah. Um, I still think at this point, he thinks he's at least somewhat of a normal person. He doesn't complete. Otherwise, he wouldn't have had that meltdown when he finally gets to the lab right. and sees the monsters in the pods. Yeah, and, and we, we get all that, you know, that wonderful, uh, wonderful scene that we'll get onto yeah. later. But like, yeah, this is, you know, even even him saying like, oh, yeah, my mom's name is Genova. Like he says, Without any concept of like what Genova actually no. is yet. And it's kind of crazy because that means that like no one else knew about Genova really 
either. And I guess Genova would be like the, you know, the top secret, like no one's going to know who this is unless you're Hojo or like, you know, top brass at Shinra. Oh, yeah. And yeah, it just seems so, you know, he says it so matter of factly, which I thought was kind of like a nice little, you know, like, oh, all right. No one knows about this yet. Okay. <laughs> but uh, yeah, I, I like, um, we get to see also kind of, I've always, when this game came out, I remember this scene was kind of the one, the part that I was looking forward to the most, just because, I mean, we see it obviously from Cloud's perspective in the original. But from a warped perspective. Yeah, from, from a warped sort of perspective. unreliable narrator's perspective. Right. So it's like now we can kind of maybe see, you know, I don't want to necessarily call it the truth of what happened, but I, I, I guess, you know. As true as truer than it was before, you know. It's an you're seeing it with a more authentic lens, not one that's been completely coded and distorted through Mako and Genova cells. Right. Like this is this is an authentic lens in on the Nibelheim incident. No punches really pulled. Nothing. No wool over the eyes. No tricks. No plot reveals. This is for the most part. Yeah. This is what this you is see a, is what you get. Yeah. Like if if you traveled back in time. <laughs> to the nibble eye incident this is this is what probably the truest truest uh expression of the events there were two things i wanted to point out before we move forward about nibelheim itself one Mm -hmm. i feel like in this version most of all and given that seven remake hasn't given us too much of a look into nibelheim we have a couple flashbacks we could see uh, just the uh the thing in the, the water tower thing in the middle exactly we don't really get to see much but I think Crisis Core does a really good job to actually make it feel like an old Western town. It's like you look around and now suddenly Tifa's outfit is the normal one around here. Yeah. You know and what I mean? It actually kind of gives you that sort of Western, Wild West sort of feel to it. Yeah, it does feel, it feels like uh, something out of Trigun or something, like some kind of like backwater mountain village Pretty, you know, yeah. kind of thing. The country. You really feel like it's the country. Um, yeah. And the second thing I wanted to uh, point out, I don't know if you noticed this, but did you notice all the enemies around here are fire? Yeah. It's kinda, all the, I thought that was such a nice touch. It's stuff like that that I really do a appreciate. Nice little, yeah, nice little prelude to what's going to be uh, engulfing the whole town very shortly. <laughs> and in a game where we've seen nothing, not want to say nothing, but but an overwhelming majority of Genesis clones, it's nice for yeah. the um The good the old enemies. fiends to come exactly. back. Exactly. Yeah. It's nice for them to come back, and it's nice for them. I think they do a good job with this in Remake, by the way, but to use the enemies as a sort of narrator, too. That yeah, it's not like, like, oh, oh these what's... are the enemies in your way. It's like, no, those enemies are actually helped telling the story right yeah now. it's like you know like um in uh in sector five it was like the the hedgehog pie like king or whatever it's like oh these guys have a king it's like they're not just mm-hmm. some they're not some random you know goblin looking things like they actually have uh, i guess a hierarchy <laughs> of of, yeah. of power which is or like a weird fir- thing you know i was gonna say or when you're first storming shinra and you see like all the third class soldiers yes yes and then you're like oh yeah there are you know, there's these other, like, kind of nameless, faceless, you know, badass dudes that are in Soldier that we never hear about because they're just, I guess they're just jobbers and that <laughs> they they enlisted to job. And that's, yeah, they're, that's they're the they Turks who do. didn't make the cut. If you got cut from the Turks, you became third class soldier. I, I guarantee that's probably how that is. It's like, oh, you weren't you didn't <laughs> cut it for that, you know. 
You weren't, you're not enough of a goon. You're too serious. So like we're going to put you with soldier. Yeah, we couldn't put you... Yeah, you're too serious to be a, a Turk. Um, <laughs> but, uh, yeah, I think... Um, I think the, the real... The way that they handle the atmosphere of Nibelheim in this game is so good. Like, with the, yes. mus- the music and it's like this kind of eerie kind of... You, you know, know what's coming. Yeah, you know what I mean? Yeah, it's like if you know what's coming, like it, it adds that extra little bit of like tone and just like kind of dread and kind of despair. Like it's, it feels like it's like you've entered a place where the air doesn't move. You know what I mean? Kind of like the weird, like kind of stifling kind of feeling. No, no, I'm with you. It does kind of feel like time is standing still because if it's funny because the people. And the characters within this game have no idea what's coming, but, like, you, the player, are just constantly looking over Zack's shoulder, waiting for it to begin. Yeah, you're just like, oh, go, oh, what's what's going on? What's Sephiroth? Where's he at? What's he doing? <laughs> Where's Tifa? Uh, speaking of Tifa, we, we finally get to meet Tifa, and unfortunately, she is not voice acted in this game, as far as I remember, at least when we see her here. Um... It's kind of a bummer, but at the same time, at the at this point in the story, like Tifa's not she's not an important character yet. You know, she's still kind of a side character at this point. This is seriously the be in many ways the beginning of her character. Right, yeah. You know what I mean? I was just gonna say, like, this is kind of like when she becomes a main character. Yes. You know, like before before the stuff that's about to happen, she's just a you know, just a small town girl living in she's a lonely country world. girl, man. <laughs> You know, wearing a wearing her, you know, her cowgirl outfit, which is funny because I even still like. I mean, when she's standing next to people like Zach and stuff and Sephiroth, I'm like, it's still kind of weird. <laughs> it's still weird, but it's still I, weird. I love it. I love it. Do you know what I think might be a nice touch in remake? Mm. I want Tifa to be the best at riding a chocobo, like she's the oh, natural. Oh yes, please. Because like, now, then suddenly that cowgirl outfit has more context to it. Yeah, you know what it's I mean. Like, it's like I would love to. More. Yeah, I would love for, like for more of Tifa's like upbringing. I mean, it would be interesting how they handle that because, you know, another thing that we also kind of learned throughout all this, and we kind of knew from the original too, is that like Tifa, Tifa was there at the beginning of all this. Oh yeah. So and the fact that like she 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 has to know who Zach is, you know, is like at this point, or even she might not even remember his name, but I feel like if she saw him, she would be like, "Oh, that's that guy," from you know the day that my father was killed and everyone in my town died, <laughs> you know, because there weren't that many people. Yeah, you don't forget shit like that. Yeah, so it's like I that's one thing I'm I'm really curious about how they're gonna handle. In uh, in remake, because I would I want I would love to see that scene of like Tifa being like so, like talking to Cloud, be like so. Uh, are we gonna talk about what happened in Nibelheim or? <laughs> yeah, like I would love for them to like reapproach that in in like a new context and be like, oh well, maybe, you know, if Zach well, listen, is part of it now. It's kind of implied too in remake. Um, before we go on too much of a tangent here, but it is like sort of implied in remake that. Cloud has more of a memory of the Nibelheim incident this time mm. around, you know. Yeah, no, absolutely. Something going on there, and it seems a little—it's a little sus, you know, a for all bit. for all intents and purposes. But uh, yeah, so I mean, fr- from right there, pretty much, we kind of just kind of right away 
uh, once, you know, we go hang out in the inn, get some sleep, and uh, then we start, uh, we get the infamous uh, picture scene with uh, Cloud, uh, not Cloud, uh, Tifa, uh, Zack, and Sephiroth. And I kind of like, they did like, dude, they do like a little like montage of like them going up Mount Nibble. I did like that a lot. I thought that was a really nice touch. Yeah, I just that it. The only thing is that I wish it was voice acted. <laughs> That's the only yeah. thing that I would change about it. But uh, also, just real quick, because I feel like because things kind of pick up relatively quickly, and uh, if there's another thing that I would say that I really like is how they kind of explored um, Cloud in this scenario. Yes. Where this whole time, like he's keeping his helmet on and like, even Zach asks him, Hey, why do you have the helmet on? He's like, uh, personal reasons. And he's, he calls him a weirdo (laughs) because of it. (laughs) And even, you know, even for Sephiroth to look at him and be like, Hey, you know, if you want to visit your family and friends, you're more than welcome to, you know, cause Sephiroth is still, um, he still has a shred of goodness in him. He's still with us a little bit. Yeah. But you could tell, you could tell the, the, uh, there's something in the air. Um, and I also kind of, I like how they handled, um, they handle cloud. And they, I also like how they handle Tifa because she, there are multiple times where she tries to be like, she wants to, of course, ask about cloud and Mm -hmm. she doesn't, but then she ultimately does. She actually ends up sending, uh, she ends up sending Zach a, uh, email being like, Hey, there's, is there a blonde guy in soldier? Because you know, blah, 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 blah. And even to the point where at, at some point, I think she even texts or uh, sends him an email and says, uh, don't, don't ask, don't, don't tell anyone that I'm asking you about this, <laughs> yeah. you know, which I think is like a really interesting dynamic. Cause obviously, you know, cloud is not the person he wanted to be, you know, by the time he came back to his hometown, which nah. like, you know, He's very, he's very faceless. Yeah, he's he's being, yeah, and he's with guys that he thought he was going to be, you know, on the same level of, and probably, you know, in his head probably had this, oh, triumphant return of Cloud the I Hero I mean, in Man. truth, in truth, dude, and like, this does sort of pave into his character a little bit. He wanted to be Zack, the guy who rolls into Nibelheim, soldier first class, walking side by side with Sephiroth, like, yeah, we're yeah. here on a big mission. Like, yeah, that's like that, what Cloud that was wanted. In his, yeah, in his head, that was totally like what he envisioned. And exactly. Now, now he's finally back here, and he's just a jobber soldier dude, you know. And then, bro, he's it's totally it's, it's worse. It's it's worse than not coming back at all. Yeah, it's like, oh, yeah, you came back, and you, oh, you just you weren't skilled enough to achieve your goal, or whatever. Even though, I mean. He does obviously. Cloud, I feel like, always had the potential in him to be a good soldier. But uh, as we will come to find out in a little bit here, maybe being a soldier, well, power, not... power comes in response to a need, not a desire. Yeah. So uh, I think, you know, maybe Cloud, uh, all things considered, maybe got the well. I mean, he still gets exposed to Mako and basically becomes a soldier anyway. But Wait. you know. It's kind of a thing, like you know, it's like careful what you wish for, sort of thing. But oh yeah, I and that's another thing too. I feel like just real quick, I I like, you know, we we've been talking about how much we enjoy seeing Sephiroth as like a regular kind of person, and you know, seeing someone like Zach who's kind of like a breath of fresh air almost. Mm-hmm. Um, I really enjoy seeing, and I think I might have brought it up a little bit last episode, but I really enjoy seeing Cloud and sort of like this like. 
you know, like the, the true cloud, you know what I mean? Like, this is like, there's no bullshit, no nothing like the little brother. Yeah. He's not trying to kind of put on any airs or anything, but it's like, he's obviously a character who's kind of struggling a lot, but you can see how much Zach gives him strength and gives him hope and gives him like, you know, motivation to want to improve and be better. Um, and seeing like how he kind of is, you know, after, you know, the things that are about to transpire, um, you know, he's kind of like, oh, you know, I wish I was stronger or whatever. And it's like, you know, yeah, yeah I think that probably like more of a traditional sort of, uh, I don't know, anime protagonist <laughs> sort of thing mm-hmm. of like, oh, I wasn't strong enough to protect the people that I love. Um, but you know, I, I like seeing weak cloud. I like, or not weak cloud. I would vulnerable cloud is probably, I think vulnerable cloud is a very good way to put it. Cause that's really the impression way, yeah. he kind of gives off. Like he gives off the impression that he wants to be strong, but he also gives off the impression that he's a little bit ashamed of where he's at. Mm-hmm. And, and like, he, he like you stronger. so eloquently pointed out, like that's kind of where Zach comes in and all that. Zach kind of shows him that, you know, like you said, it motivates him to strive to be better, and Zach really does that for him because, as we stated earlier, Zach's in the position Cloud wants to be in. And yeah. having that guy that you admire, that guy that you envy, even admirably, having that guy being willing to kind of like, I don't want to say take you under his wing, but at least be your friend, yeah. you know, that, that kind of puts a lot of value on yourself to like, all right, yo, if this guy fucks with me, then that yeah, means they, I probably got something going on. I got on. something going on, yeah. And I feel like yeah. that's, you know, I feel like Cloud always did have a latent, like, ability. I mean, we'll never know for sure, but, like, I you know, obviously we know that he becomes the hero man later on. But, mm-hmm. you know, it, it's it's nice to see, like, they kind of, you know, they show little bits here and there of, like, oh, yeah, he had potential, you know. And for mm-hmm. reasons we'll see later on, like, yeah, he had some big hero potential in him. Um, but... Anyways, so uh, we were going. Yes, we were going on the on the the grand tour of Nibelheim through uh, pictures until uh, we get to the reactor. Is it a reactor? I don't. I don't. Do they? I don't know if they explicitly say it's a reactor. Um, I'm pretty sure. Like a research. Pr- I guess it's like a research lab. It is a research lab, but I know there is a reactor in that area. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Because they were because Zach and Cloud kind of joked about that before of like, oh, yes. if there's a reactor in town, that means there's nothing else around. <laughs> um, yeah. So, I mean, obviously, Nibelheim has a lot more going on with it, as we're about to see here, because we get to this uh, little secret facility here and uh, Sephiroth and Zach go inside and uh, fans of the original game <laughs> will know that this is. You know, we this is not we don't see a lot of this scene. I mean, we see it a couple times in the original, I think, or a different, maybe not this exact version of it. But uh, we get into this place and we see there's this giant door at the top of the staircase that says Genova on it. Oh, this is weird. Kind of weird. Where have I heard that name before? <laughs> um, and it's funny that. Uh, it it's almost like Sephiroth didn't immediately be like, this is suspicious. Like, my mom's name is Genova. I mean, he does say it a little bit later on, but he, you know, wouldn't just immediately be like, hmm, this is weird. But uh, basically surrounding these, uh, I guess the, it seems like the way that Sephiroth is talking during the scene, it seems like they came up here because there was some sort of a mechanical problem. 
or something. Um, because I I don't did Sephiroth ever explicitly mention why they came up here in the first place? I, I don't, don't I don't I don't, I don't know if they ever explicitly went into like the specific thing that was wrong, but it's something that they were chosen to go investigate. Okay, because I at first my inclination was that because if you remember before this, uh, Sephiroth was locked away in the library doing some stuff, which is a nice little, uh, you know, allusion. Well, to... this is what I was going to ask. Cause I don't know mm. how subtle it is, or if this is something that's gone completely over my head, but isn't it kind of possible that Sephiroth kind of just pushed this to happen because he, he knew he needed to go there. Yeah. That's what my, my initial thinking was that he knew that something related to his heritage was here. So yes. he made up an excuse for us to come over here. And that's why when he was looking out the window, he's like, I feel like I've seen this scenery before. He's like, I feel like I've mm-hmm. seen this before. Um, yeah. Yeah. So look, I don't know. Like Again, yeah, it's I could not, be I don't a dope. Think, I don't, I don't I think mentioned. Yeah. Okay, good. Because sometimes I'm wondering, I'm like, did I miss that? Did that go completely over my head? But I do think it's very possible, if not probable, that this in some sense, if it wasn't set up by Sephiroth, it certainly was encouraged. Like, oh, there's something there that needs to be checked out. I'll go check that out. Yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah, it's like, oh, like, oh, it just so happens that I was reading about this place called Nibelheim and, oh, we have to go there and check out this mechanical problem. Okay. Uh, <laughs> um, so yeah, basically we're in this, we're in this room and, you know, we got the big Genova door at the top of the, the stairs and surrounding the staircase are these pods just kind of hanging out that look very similar to the pods that we kind of saw, um, the Angeal and Genesis clones in, but a little bit more advanced. And I think that, you know, might be, uh, prescient to what we actually end up seeing in here. And these things in these tubes or, or pods or whatever are like straight up monsters or they look like just straight up, you know, big, you know, scaly looking <laughs> monster. They're, they're as monstrous as you can imagine. Yeah. If like, like bipedal, if you... scaly skin, spikes, sharp teeth and fangs, not human, not attractive. If you had a baby that looked like this, you'd scream. Yeah, and I honestly no. There's a line here from Sephiroth that makes me think that this wasn't him, because one of the pods is broken, and he looks at it and says, "Why did it break?" So, I'm thinking that maybe this was a sort of capital D destiny moment, of that it just so happened that he was assigned to come here, you know. Yeah, dude. Because he's he's like, why did it break? Because it's like, you know, why why are we here? Like, what what would bring us here? And just to preface this for anybody, again, there there have been multiple times where I've said, if you're not watching along or playing along with this, uh, going through the story, definitely check out this cutscene, this whole entire cutscene that we're about to discuss, because um, it's kind of sort of the best Sephiroth has ever been. <laughs> It's up there for sure. And it's definitely like um definitely the most you know compromising of positions that I feel like Sephiroth has ever been in. 
um, like emotionally and mentally. And it's as we'll get no, on this to is here. The, this is the stuff that makes you feel a little bad for him. Yes. You know what I mean? This is yes. like, we, o- we, to... do, we always joke like Sephiroth's the victim, bro. But like, this is really but in he real act- time here. He actually kind of is. <laughs> he actually kind of is. Yeah. And that's, that's like the really kind of sad part is that it's like, no, he actually really is. Um, is kind of one that you know he didn't ask for this kind of you know very Adam Jensen like <laughs> never asked for this, but uh, yeah you kind of see like as we're going through this we're kind of you know Zach and Sephiroth are kind of investigating the area. Um, there's even like a little thing of like oh you know these are um, he, uh, Sephiroth is like oh you know your average soldiers Mako infused humans it's like you're you're still you're you're altered but you're still human. And it's like, he's already starting to feel... Like, I feel like Sephiroth kind of already knows the truth about himself, but he's kind of trying to find every possible way to, um, you know, subvert it or to, like, be like, oh, well, no, it's not actually this. Well, he does mention that he said... um, How do you put it? He did mention that from the time he was a kid, he always knew he was different. Like, he always had that instinct of, all right... There's me, and then there's the rest of them. There's something different about me. And he yeah. grew over time to believe that. It's like, oh, he's just super talented. He's just super powerful. Like, that's what's different. That's mm-hmm. as far as it goes. Uh, and then I think it goes into what you said, where he researched it more and more and more, and things sort of started coming together. He's starting to see the maybe capital D destiny unfolding. And it seems like he's trying, like you said, every which way to either I mean, still convince himself that he's somewhat normal. It's literally it's literally to the point where Zach, you know, kind of he remarks on him saying, "Oh, you're average soldier." And he's like, "Well, Oh, he know, said no, he says you average soldier members. Not yeah. even like your average soldier Yeah, he member. was talking he about specific. it like he like he was not your average human. Exactly. And exactly. then Zach asked him like, "What do you mean by that?" And then Sephiroth literally has like a, you know, like a FF7 remake cloud like moment where he's moment, like, oh, yes. dude, he's that's like, the his... trippiest thing that I got to say, I'm sorry to interrupt, but no. that is the trippiest part of one of these scenes is you see that happening to him and you're like, oh my like, God, oh shit. <laughs> it's just like cloud, you know? Yeah. So it's, it's, it it's makes not me... a Sephiroth thing. It's not a cloud thing. It's a Genova thing. And I have to wonder when Sephiroth says, why did it break? Has Genova just been like, in her in ethereal way, sort of just leaving these breadcrumbs and guiding him here. It could be, man. I, I honestly like I wouldn't be surprised if Genova was like the ultimate true architect behind everything. Well, she's know? like an alien artificially intelligent parasite yeah. with whom they're extracting the cells to make advanced technology and super soldiers. Yeah, and then that's she at least also, my understanding. Yeah, and then she can, if you're infused with her cells, that she can, has an influence over you. Oh, which we yeah. kind of we kind of have already seen a maybe a little bit from like Genesis and stuff, and I feel like Angel maybe had it a little bit as well, but he had more of a he has more of a moral compass, I guess. Well, he's a G he's a G type. <laughs> yes. And as we, I know that something more organic about him because he was actually her child. Yeah. 
and uh, we actually, and I know that there were people on our Discord, and uh, me included, who wasn't weren't particularly clear about um, <laughs> the S and G types, and that is, if people remember in FF Seven Remake. Hojo makes reference to, you know, when he's talking about, oh, he wants to breed someone with Aerith, um, it, you know, we should get a soldier candidate, and this includes SNG types, and we figured out last, I don't know if it was last episode or the episode before that, what G-type soldiers are, and uh, as we're about to find out here real quick, uh, which, by the way, just, just to lead up to this, because um, we were saying before, when he was Sephiroth was saying that he knew when uh, when he was a child that something was special about his existence, and then it was nothing like this. This scene, by the way, when I'm talking about like you should go and check it out, you should definitely go and check out this scene in particular. Oh yeah. Um, you know he like he, Sephiroth saying, "Oh, I'm not like the others. I knew mine was a special existence, but this is not what I meant." And then he lit like he does a literal like he's looking at his hands, his shaking hands, and asks himself, "Am I a human being?" And then Fuckboy Supreme comes out <laughs> of the corner, <laughs> and he says, "No such luck. You are a monster." And it's our boy Genesis, who I just initially uh, I'm a little annoyed that he is part of this pivotal kind of moment in i mean it makes it kind of makes sense for sephiroth's character because sephiroth is more tied to genesis and angeal i guess because they were they were buddy pals before but it also it is weird because it feels like he's literally just been transplanted into the scene oh yeah also by the way genesis isn't dead i know that they, they were <laughs> they were kind of toying with the idea in the last in the the earlier parts of like is he actually dead or or not like no he's not well he says, uh, if you can call this living, which I kind of like that. <laughs> I did like that line. I, I just want to say, I agree with everything you said. And mm -hmm. I think what's actually one of the most intriguing things is this is actually one of my favorite scenes of Genesis because he's not completely glued to quoting Loveless. Like, yeah. He gets to be himself a little bit. To, and that's, yeah. He gets, he gets to exposit like actual useful information <laughs> for once. I, exactly. Instead but at the same of, time, I'm yeah. with you where I'm like, well, I would have preferred if he was not in this scene. Um, yeah. But but I'm glad that this scene wasn't the it's, big yeah, crux. Yeah, this isn't it, the big crux. And it also, it's not, and, and like we said, it's like this is the beginning part. This is, Genesis is practically serving as the, the uh, you know, he's pushing Sephiroth, he's trying to push Sephiroth over the edge. Well, he's not, he's not trying to, he's actually trying to get him to, uh, ingest he I because they don't the, he wants those Sephiroth cells he wants them pure them pure Genova cells that are in Sephiroth, Sephiroth gets to stay a handsome man and Gact is getting old and crusty and he's like <laughs> I want some of that I don't shit. want to be old and crusty <laughs> well I think what's funny and like we brought this up uh, before we started recording but I really do think there's some truth to it it's like as Genesis's role in the story starts to dissolve, so does he literally. Yeah, where he's there's no yeah. there's no room for him anymore, and I think that's kind of what this scene was supposed to show us too, because he does ask for Sephiroth's help, and Sephiroth essentially says, "Genesis, whether you're telling me the truth or you're lying, I'm rot. not going to help you. You will rot. You Which will I rot. Get the best, like the whole this whole exchange between Sephiroth and Genesis is probably one of the better exchanges in, in this entire game. It might be my favorite Genesis scene that's not the CGI fight. Yeah, yeah." For, for without a without a doubt, a hundred percent. Um, 
just everything from Genesis being like, you know, you're the greatest monster created by the Genova Project. And then uh, <laughs> we get our, you know, his, uh, his like, oh, I suppose I am if you call this living line. And uh, it, then he basically just kind of becomes the ex- Expositron robot and uh, is like, well, you know, uh, Project G was, uh, you know, He's like basically giving us the Wikipedia article on what Project G <laughs> is. Uh, all the all the experiments with Genova cells, and then he of course goes into, you know, Project G gave birth to Angeal and himself, and then Project S was the sort of uh, um, the culmination of all the failed experiments to make the perfect. Uh, Genova specimen, I guess. And uh, that's where our boy Sephiroth comes from. And it's like, man, if you weren't thinking you were a monster already just because you were some sort of genetic science experiment or cellular cellular science experiment, now you're being told that you are the culmination of failed monsters. Your mom mom came from a a Serb surface rock from uh, 2,000 years ago. Yeah, I kind of skipped over the fact that, like, Genesis is also kind of giving Sephiroth the huge truth bomb of, like, yeah, your mom is a fucking... Uh, a, a celestial being that came from the sky 2000 years ago and your mom actually never like to, to the point where Genesis is like, Oh, you never actually met your mom. You were only told her name, huh? Well, the reason behind that is, is because she's a fucking, uh, a fucking asteroid that came to the planet 2000 years ago. Calamity from the sky. And, oh man. Use the remains of countless failed experiments to create the perfect monster as it's zooming in on Sephiroth's face. And then, of course, yeah, uh, Genesis has his, his little, like, hey, give me your cells. And then uh But Sephiroth... this is what solidifies him, man. I think this is the moment that solidifies... He's accepted that he's the monster because he can, if he chooses to, save his old friend. But after finding out what him and his old friend are... He says no. He's like, I don't want to be that. But actually, the fun, the the most interesting line in all of this to me is after Sephiroth re- uh, refuses uh, Genesis's offer, which we we got to talk about what Genesis's game plan was because I don't know he was gonna give him the truth bomb and then be like, oh yeah, you're right, Genesis, you're my, you've been my friend all along. I'm just like you. Um, but uh, anyways, the uh when Sephiroth refuses Genesis, right? And he says, you will rot. Um, the line that Genesis says after that, which is, ah, uh, tr- the truest monster of all, or something like that. Yeah. And I'm like, that's really good. Where it's like, he, oh yeah, oh, uh, I see, perfect monster indeed, he says. Yes. Which, that to me is like, oh. It's like, yeah, Sephiroth, he doesn't care about any of you people. <laughs> he only cares about himself at the end of the day. I mean, it's like he won't even, you know, he won't even do evil shit for to help someone else. You know what I mean? It's like he is the perfect monster and that he would, you know, he's not like he's self-serving, but not to like help other people. You know, like he doesn't want he's not going to be a pawn of someone else. 
Even exactly. though, even though, kind, of, I, I mean, it could be argued whether or not he's a pawn of Genova. I mean, he literally, he literally is. I think, I think what it comes down to, right, and this can maybe give some insight as to why Sephiroth went down this path, is he sees himself. He's part Genova, part human, part science. You know mm-hmm. what I mean? He is this culmination of natural reproduction and artificial. I don't even know what word you would use. Genetic manipulation. Yeah. So he's sitting there and he's going, the only one who's innocent in all of this. And I'm not saying he's right when he says this, but in his own individual case is Genova. It's mm. the humans. It's the hojos. It's the ghasts who yeah. lied and withheld the information, who experimented on him, who would, you know, did all of these things to him. It was never Genova who did any of that. She's being held captive like a hostage, mm. just like him. Yeah, and he there's even a part later on that is kind of echoing exactly what you're saying of uh, you know, he Sephiroth once he sort of um for lack of a better word, snaps, and, you know, he's talking with Genova, saying, oh, here they are again, these these idiots, these humans, these idiot humans that have just gotten come away again. Yeah, these dullards, <laughs> as he calls them. Dullard is a very, I you know, let's, can we bring back dullard as, like, a an insult? It's a really good way it's to really insult good. somebody. It, it really burns. Rolls off the tongue and everything, it's great. That just stings, bro. <laughs> But, uh, yeah, uh, right after that, I mean, Genesis, he then again, as soon as Sephiroth leaves the room, he, Genesis goes back to quoting Loveless, and uh, Zack's like, no, stop, and then he just gets away, as he does. And then he's like, oh, I'll see you guys later. <laughs> and then uh, we see Tifa and Cloud are outside, even, well, we, it's Cloud, but he still looks like a regular soldier, or a regular trooper, I should say. Uh, they're fighting off some monsters that I guess... Uh, well, they, they were Genesis clones. Say the line. Uh, <laughs> um, and then, yeah, we have to basically... Uh, this is, you know, if one thing that I'm glad that we're not doing uh, this part. And I know uh, Matt uh, Matt from our Discord, because uh, he's playing through the game right now. Uh, hopefully when he gets to this part, uh, which is kind of the worst part of the game, honestly. Um, when you have to basically... Uh, guide Tifa and Cloud back to Nibelheim and it's basically just a a long uh, escort quest and you kind of have to wait for them to they're moving at like two miles an hour and they can't go any faster like you know people give a lot of shit for like escort missions and games but like this one's kind of egregious in my opinion this one's Um, tough man and honestly not only is it tough having to go two miles an hour and destroy every monster along the way Bro, it hurts to see Cloud like that. This is the guy who wants to be the hero, and he's just yeah. the... He's being carried back to, uh, to, to the town by Tifa, the person that he vowed to protect. Yeah. Which, like, everyone's kind of at their low point here. Like, no one's having a good time. Yeah, because, like, at this point, like, things are still kind of whatever at this point, right? Because, you know, I mean, Zack, I feel like, is probably feel, starting to feel a little conflicted as well. Um, and like, you know, as far as, as far as everything else is going for now, things are, things are just kind of more mentally fucked up right now. Yeah. And then, uh, we get a nice scene here with, with Zach and Cloud, 
uh, you know, he was kind of he was sitting next to him. Uh, this you know. is when they're like, I really feel in this scene that this is like where they're boys. You know what I mean? Yeah, when they have when they finally become like full on. Yeah, because uh, we obviously we see you know uh, you know Cloud wakes up from I guess he was unconscious, you know, and, and Zach is like, oh Tifa's all good and whatever, and then Cloud laments like, oh man, if only if I was a soldier, if I was strong enough. And probably one of Zach's best lines in this entire game is, uh, is uh, soldiers like a den of monsters don't go inside. And yeah. that to me just, it kind of crushes me a little bit on the inside. Cause it's like, this is the moment I feel like where Zach has realized that this isn't like, cause he, you've got to remember that Zach was very much like how cloud wanted to be where he was excited. He yep. wanted nothing more to, than to be a first class soldier. This is Zach's garden of Eden moment, but ever this is where the knowledge kicks him out of paradise. You got to think that ever since he's become first class soldier, things have been going horrible for him <laughs> ever since Oh no, then. things only got worse once he became first class. Yeah. And it's like, you know, to see for the guy, you know, the, the sort of Dante esque, you know, young hero that we saw in the beginning of like, Oh, I'm going to, I'm too cool for school. And now it's like, he's, you know, at this point he's lost his closest friend and mentor. And, you know, he's, you know, been separated from Aerith at this point for God knows how long. And, you know, at least he has someone like cloud, you know, he has someone there. Cause like, I feel like if it wasn't for cloud being here, it's like then Sephiroth would be his closest like friend, and that's not a good. That's, that's not a good friend to have, right? Especially, now. yeah, especially not right now, because um, yeah, we have this. We just to get back to the scene with with uh, Zach and Cloud. Um, there's this whole scene I think is so good to show like why they kind of need like how good they are for each other as a thing. Because like even Zach, you know, the the always optimistic Zach is now kind of just like, uh, I don't know. He even says, like, I don't know, man. man. Yeah, I honestly love that line and the the way it was delivered. It really felt like a dude who is just, like, he's still holding on to, like, that core optimism, but he's just acknowledging he's a little lost. (laughs) Yeah, even he's like, I don't know, man. He doesn't know where it goes from here. Yeah, it's it's almost like the you know it's like he's starting to realize that the whatever's going on or whatever's about to happen is maybe bigger than him, and being like, oh, maybe this is stuff that I can't necessarily control anymore, because uh, I mean, he's just starting to realize that man, soldiers filled with a bunch of crazy assholes. <laughs> Dude, sick and twisted sons of bitches. Sick and twisted, but uh, yeah, then you know, uh, Zach keeps asking Cloud about Tifa and. You know, Cloud's being kind of, like, standoffish and kind of weird about it. And, uh, you know, Zach's like, ah, you know, I know I can sense something going on here, but, you know, I'm not really one to talk because I haven't really been true to myself either. And this, you know, this next scene of him, you know, he's walking up to the Buster Sword and he's saying, you know, I'm with soldiers, so fighting's all I do. It doesn't... Uh, like all the leave the thinking to the other people as long as you tell me where to go and like he's saying all these things that are so uncharacteristic of him you know where it's like he Mm -hmm. i guess he reached the point where he's just like yeah i'm just i'm just you know the muscle i'm just told to fight like i'm not supposed to think about things and then um cloud's like you know he picks up uh zach picks up the buster sword and it's like you know he's kind of holding it like he you know he does where he holds it in front of his face and Cloud's like, oh, you know, I've never seen you use that, even though he's totally seen him use it. Um, but I think I think in the story 
like the actual like canon story. It's like he's he's treating it like Angeal is, and he doesn't actually use that sword, mm-hmm. even though even though we obviously clearly see him use it in combat. I think there's actually now that I'm thinking about, it, there might be a line before like when we first get here, or like maybe he's talking to Tifa or something, where it's like he's like, oh, I just use the blunt. Uh, I use just use the blunt side of it because you know if I use the other side, there's going to be some wear, tear, and rust, which obviously is a sort of callback to what Angeal says, and we even get as uh, Cloud is saying to him that, "Oh, I've never seen you use that." We get a nice little flashback montage of all the little moments that he had with Angeal. Um, best dad Angeal including like oh you know you know I don't like the sword having wear tear rust and you know the you're a little bit more important than my sword and like all these other little moments and I feel like that was a moment that Zach needed to sort of remind him oh right you know I there is still something I'm fighting for in here you know there's still something you know I still have honor I still have you know uh, that, a dream, you know, to follow. That, and I feel like, in a way, Zach now wants to be for Cloud what Angeal was for him. He's almost, like, yes. starting to understand the legacy of the hero, you mm-hmm. know? I, I, um, I don't know. I think it's very powerful, and this is why, if Zach's going to be with us in the future of Remake, I think you can't do this without roping in Angeal. Yeah, because I think, I mean, at the, at the very least, he has to be brought up. Like, I, I mean, if if we never get, like, an in-character model of him or in-game model of him, uh, I, I could see that being okay, but I feel like he needs to at least be mentioned and talked about. I would um, agree. I would agree. And, it's, and it almost feels like now that, you know, since we're getting towards, like, the end of Crisis Core a little bit, Ge- Genesis really doesn't... Like, I feel like we could sort of, like, take Genesis out of the story, and it doesn't really change a lot. And <laughs> like, would it be weird if I think that maybe that was their approach the whole time? Maybe, yeah. Like, he was just more of like a, like, hey, well, Gact wanted to be into all this shit, so... Yeah, we'll just Im- literally implant him into this universe and then make it so that if he, for for whatever... If there's any legal reasons that why we can't include him in future update installments, we could just write him out. And isn't that, but isn't that the tragedy of Genesis 2 at the same time? Yeah. Was, you know, that he was just destined to be this character. He was, Sephiroth was the quote unquote hero. He had that role. He had that destiny. And And Genesis literally is like, he's just a botched experiment at the end of the day. You know, it's like he tried to be, he wants to be the next greatest hero and all this stuff. And then of course, you know, he, in that journey for power he's he, so he irrelevant that he might be written out yeah like that's the true tragedy but there. and here's the thing is that he's also a character that if they wanted to explore him more they totally could you know they like could they, and if they do they better explore him more i want more yeah. not quoting loveless genesis and as much as the quoting loveless can be tasteful and fun it kind of um, got old pretty quickly it gets old honestly. a little quick yeah um yeah i totally i could totally see them Maybe, you know, that first soldier stuff, you know, if we're going to, if, if that first soldier, whatever that ends up being is exploring Sephiroth's early years, you know, who was a big part of his early years. Well, I don't, maybe not his early years. I, I don't, it's never like it. I know that they're the three of them were friends. I don't know if they became friends after they became soldiers. Cause I know that Angeal and Genesis were childhood friends. Yes. But I don't Sephiroth's think Sephiroth's kind of the quote unquote third wheel in the friends group. 
I think, yeah, I think Sephiroth, because we don't really kind of know, we don't know, was Sephiroth basically just brought up in a laboratory? Like, did he even have, like, a home life before he became a soldier? Or was he just like, hey, well, we know that he's obviously bred to be, he was bred to become the biggest badass, but, like... He, he, was, a sci- he was a science baby at the end of the day. Yeah, it's like, was he basically just, like, kept in, like, this, you know, white, you know, white room you know, all the time, and, like, you know, maybe had some, you know, some, you know, all adult f- companions or whatever, or friends that, you know, spent time with him, but he'd never really had, like, an actual childhood or anything. Hey, that would be a wonderful thing that we could explore, and I'm, I'm assuming that Well, I know that Lucretia never had a chance to hold him. Like, that was part of Lucretia's tragedy, is she never got the chance to hold Sephiroth, despite mm. being her biological, being his biological mother. Right, and it's like, I feel like, you know, if Shinra, like, if I know the kind of Shinra uh, that I know, uh, I feel like they, if, because he would be a incredibly strong and powerful asset, and it's not something that you want to have, like, someone like Aerith, like, I feel like they, they think that, oh, because she's not, she does, she's not really tapped into her abilities yet, so she's kind of harmless right now. So we can let her run around Midgar and do whatever. As long as we keep an eye on her, then that's fine. But mm-hmm. someone like Sephiroth, who we've bred to be this ultimate badass, we can't we just have him... We need him in-house. Yeah, we can't have him running around, like, the, the slums and shit. We can't have him doing that. So we... I could see totally, like, a sort of... Uh, uh, if anyone's familiar with the show The Boys or or the comic The Boys, a very Homelander kind of like, yeah, you were brought up in this lab and you didn't really have like a normal f- childhood or anything. But um, yeah, I, I think I would love to see that stuff explored more. But I, if you want to if you want to hear more of us dis- discussing stuff about First Soldier, check out our previous episode. The bonus episode. <laughs> the b- b- bonus episode. But uh, yes, I this just to go back to the scene with, with Zack and cloud. Uh, I love it. <laughs> I love it so much. And that even that literally, I feel like this is the moment where, like you were kind of saying before that Zack becomes Angeal and cloud becomes Zack in a way. Archetypically. Where, it's like a transfer of archetype. Right. Where literally like, I mean, Zack looks at the Buster sword and is like, this is a symbol of my honor, you know, just like Angeal said, and, you know, like, he thanks Cloud and all this stuff, and, uh, God, it's, uh, such a, it's, it's always, like, such a sobering kind of thing, because, like, obviously, you know, things are about to go very, very badly. <laughs> very, very badly. Um, uh, to the point where I think, isn't it literally, like, uh, oh, yeah, then we, yeah, we wake up, yeah, and Tifa comes in as, like, you know, where the, or, uh, Zach's asking about Sephiroth, and, uh, she's like, oh, he's up in that that big mansion. Uh, I I, I forget, is it just called Nibble Mansion? I I don't remember. I think so. I, I don't think it's a very explicit name. No, it's not. It's it's not. Name. It's not like super. It's not like the the Genova Estate or any, <laughs> anything like that. No, nothing like that. Um, but yeah, before we go up there to see Sephiroth and you know check him out, uh, we get a we get a phone call from Aerith, um, which. Uh, remind, uh, correct me if I'm wrong, but I feel like this is the last time that Zack and Aerith talk to each other. I think so, and I kind of like that it's roped in into this incident somehow. Like, I just love mm-hmm. the idea that even in a very small way, Aerith was involved on this day. Yeah, that she was able to, you know, be, you know, and it's something that, you know, 
because again, I as we've been going through these episodes and stuff, I haven't really gone ahead. I I'm familiar with the general story, but I haven't been watching ahead. Um, so I don't know if she I don't know if she pops up again if they talk to each other at some point. But I I think after this, after the Nibelheim incident, uh, things kind of just keep rolling and rolling and rolling uh, until the end. So I'm not sure if they actually do talk again but you know just to have i'm glad that they have a little moment together you know if this is the last time they talk it's not like a great converse they don't have like a great conversation it's ultimately just zach being like oh i'll call you later um but yeah as if we needed another tragedy to pile on yeah, and him being that's, like, those are, "Those are his last words." Yeah, and Aerith is, Aerith is like, "Oh, don't worry about it," you know. And then he's like, "All right, well, then I'll come visit you instead." And I'm just like, "Uh," and then she says, "I'll be here." And I'm like, "Uh," <laughs> it hurts. It hurts so much. But uh, yeah, then we get up to, we get up to. Uh... Now, is this the mansion that Vincent is in the basement of? That's my impression. Yes, because because they have us. There's a um, there's a shot when because we when we get up to the mansion, uh, you know, it's showing Sephiroth kind of spilling over all the books and stuff like that. And there's that the um, <laughs> that scene from the original where uh, he fly when he flies over Cloud's head. You know, yes, you remember what I'm yes, talking about? Yes, yes, yes. And he he does the the tombstone over his head. Um. I think this because uh, they have that similar camera angle in one of those shots when he's learning about Genova, and I don't know if that's just a callback to it. I, I people in and listening, you probably uh, there's people probably screaming, "It's not the same," or "It is the same." Uh, I'm not 100 percent sure, but please let us know because I'm actually curious. Yeah, please. Uh, I'm curious to see if this if it is the same mansion or not. Oh wait, no, wait, hold on. I, I, as I'm reading, or as I'm reading. As I'm looking at uh, these cutscenes here, there is Zach does appear to be in an area with coffins that looks yeah. like it's in a basement. So uh, no, he even open he even opens the coffin up and he's like, "I probably shouldn't wake him." <laughs> yeah, yeah, right. That's right. That's yeah. totally right. So yeah, fuck. So I guess this is oh, this is Shinra Manor then. Yes, okay, that's what it was called. All right, okay, all right. So. <laughs> Anyways, uh, yeah, we get to, you know, we get to see Sephiroth uh, slowly losing his mind, learning about where he came from, and uh, him talking about Professor Gast, which is a nice, a nice little call back there. Mm-hmm. And, you know, him, him even being like, Gast, why did you lie to me? And yeah, uh, that Gast was the guy he thought he could trust. Yep. Remember, Sephiroth always thought Hojo was a hack and was like, that guy's a walk... I think he called him like a walking mess of complexes. Yeah. Um, so Gas was supposed to be his his guy, you know what I mean? Yeah, absolutely. And like we, you know, and through through all these cutscenes, we kind of, you know, as we're seeing Sephiroth come across this information of, you know, uh, you know, <laughs> I, although I think it's funny that they... You know, it says, you know, this is the date that Genova was verified as an ancient, but the date is XXXX. <laughs> you know, it's like we don't even have any sort of, you know, if there was any sort of hopes of putting together some sort of a timeline for how this all. I mean, I don't is there there has to be an actual timeline. I don't know how they measure years in in uh, 
Got you it. know, on Gaia or whatever. But uh, <laughs> it's weird that they like they this could have been a chance for them to maybe sort of make this stuff a little bit more concrete, maybe. But I guess it it probably benefits them to not make that stuff concrete. You know, as a as a storyteller, you probably want to keep things generally kind of loose when it yeah. comes to stuff like this. So, like, I, I get it, I guess. But, you know, I just thought it was, like, kind of a missed opportunity to sort of, like, uh, you know, because it's like, you know, oh, this is the date that Genova was discovered or, or verified as an ancient. And this is the date where, you know, Project, uh, you know, Project G was initiated and, you know, all these things. Maka Reactor 1 authorized for use. And it's like, oh, I would like to actually learn some more of that, like, history and, like, kind of... I'm sure there's probably somebody out there who has created a sort of a working timeline of, of how the history of uh, Final Fantasy VII has worked. But uh, I, I I enjoy this this whole scene of just kind of watching Sephiroth kind of slowly lose his mind a little bit. Well, because it also, in a weird, like, reverse way, it sort of humanizes him. Like, watching the fall is kind of what solidifies, like, his humanity in a way. Yeah, and it's like we even, you know, we get to, you know, we find him in the uh, in the library or the study or whatever. And he doesn't even say anything to Zack. He just says, I want to be left alone. Which, and- by the way, if you replay, F- this is something I um picked up on. If you replay FF7 OG where they let you play through this when you're recalling the Nibelheim incident yes, in Cobb. Yes, yes, yes. Only you're recalling it as Cloud as Zack. I gotta say, it is almost, like, shot for shot, detail for detail, line for the line. The same. Yeah. That's they really did a cool. really good job. That's why I knew, like, when I saw that camera angle of him walking down the hallway, I'm like, this has to be the same place. Um... And, uh, yeah, I, I, man, this, cause this is the, you know, this is the one scene that everyone wants or the, this, the one scene that people are probably looking forward to the most, you know? So Mm -hmm. it's like, you gotta make it, you know, if this, if there's ever a spot where you're going to put in your, all your details, it's probably going to be here. Um, and then, yeah, so, uh, we leave Sephiroth to his business and I like, we get a, it's supposed to be like a voiceover, I guess, for Zach. Being like, oh, well, Sephiroth, you know, stay there, you know, review every document, uh, you know, every single thing in there. And he was there for, guess how many days? Could seven, it be seven days? Seven days, yes. And what happened he, on the seventh day? Uh, God rested. No, actually, God set the town on fire. <laughs> oh, boy. And it's I love how it's literally... Um, like, you know, you see like this little montage of him, of Sephiroth walking from each of the different like bookcases and stuff. And then it cuts to black and then it says on the seventh day. Um, and then it's just, you wake up and then Nibelheim's on fire. (laughs) It's just, you know, oh, okay, we're here. All right. We're just here now. All right, cool. Um, and just kind of like in media res of like, oh, right. We're just, all right. Everything's on fire. What's going on? Let's and, just, uh, just throw you right into this one. We we the first thing we come across is Cloud just knocked out on the floor, saying Sephiroth. Now um, to me, see when I saw that, I'm like, 
he's in the exact spot where, if you recall the beginning mm-hmm. of Seven Remake, Chapter yeah. Two, where you kind of get that shot of him where, like calling out to his mom. Yeah, in where the he's burning reaching house. out to his house. Yeah, like that, it, I think that is I because I don't remember from playing the game because I think you do come across Cloud's mom in like the sub uh, like the side story stuff in this uh, area. I don't remember if that's his house though that he's out in front of. Um. It seems I mean, like if one of those were to be his house, that he's in the prime spot for where we saw that flashback. Right. Yeah, that's why it's I think... Implied, it's implied that Cloud was there when Sephiroth killed his mom. And that yeah. the mother uh, begged Sephiroth to spare Cloud's life. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so I think that's totally potentially possible. And it's like, it kind of... That's why I was saying earlier, it's like it kind of sucks that we don't get to see more of what yeah. happens here. And they, you know, maybe of course they're leaving that open for, for later things, but, mm-hmm. um, you know, maybe we'll, we'll, maybe we'll revisit this a third time in remake. Um, got a feeling we will, I got a feeling we will. <laughs> and that'll probably be the, the better or the best version of it, but well, you know, we'll see. And then, uh, yeah. So we see, uh, we see the scene of, uh, good old, good old Sephiroth chilling in the flames and it's weird that it, it's, when Zack sees him and Sephiroth goes, I'm coming to get you, but I'm going to turn around and walk away. <laughs> and it's I, like he, I don't think he was talking to Zack. Yeah. I, I feel th- like yeah. he was, he was Talk talking Genova. to himself about getting Genova. Yeah. 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 Probably. Yeah. Just the way that it's, the way that it's presented here, it looks like he's saying it to Zack and I'm like, oh, that's weird. Why would you say I'm coming to get you and then walk away? Yeah. Um, yeah, and I think, you know, of course, you know, we get a, a nice little CG cutscene of him doing his little turn. Doesn't really stand up well with uh, YouTube compression, but, you know, it, uh, it's there. <laughs> the effort was made. It did look better on UMD. I, I can guarantee that. Um, yeah, so we get straight up and then we have to go straight back up to uh, straight up uh, Mount Nibble again. Uh, where we go back to uh, the Genova reactor or whatever whatever the hell's up there where she's at and uh we get up there and tifa's already in a in a sorts because her dad's already been fucking taken out having her moment tifa's having her moment yeah and then we literally get to we get her you know and again it's very criminal that she is not voice acted in this game because then she knows she's like i hate you i hate shinra i hate soldier i hate you all I'm so sick of it. Um, yeah. And it's just like, it's this like such an emotional mo- moment for her. And then she just, it feels like she just kind of is like, ah, eh, whatever Tifa, this is Zach's story now. <laughs> um, yeah. And we get a nice, nice sick little cutscene of Zach cutting down the door. And now we get to see Sephiroth in his, uh, truly, um, <laughs> mismanaged state where he's just talking to the, well, he's talking to the shell of Genova first, because I, I forgot that it was set up where, because Genova was in like that, like robot body, I guess, or it's like armor, right? Did they yeah. ever explicitly say, I mean, it's kind of looks like armor and then her actual body's in the tube behind the armor. Mm-hmm. It looks um, like that armor is something typically used, t- typically used to transport her. Right, right, and it's something because it's got all the wires and the shit. Because I always thought that was just part of her body, but I guess it's like ah, you know, she probably if if she came down, crashing to the planet in that, 
maybe you know it makes a little bit more sense you know maybe if she's some sort of space ancient or whatever you know that she would have some sort of crazy armor or whatever but anyways that's just <laughs> me getting caught up on minutia there but um yeah now Sephiroth is basically at this point he is fully you know let's take back the planet together I had an epiphany you know he's 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 uh he's fallen off the deep end at this point um that now he fully believes that he is now not only is he a monster that he is superior to humans uh, he's because because it seems this whole entire Not game they just like superior. He's completely detached. Yeah, because like, this whole this whole entire game has kind of set up this like, you know, monsters are less than people, or you know, they were trying to set up this whole dichotomy of like, you know, monsters are like these irredeemable things that we just kind of slay and whatever, and we don't deal with them. And then it's like, oh, what if well, what if humans are monsters? And then it's like, oh, well. Now Sephiroth is a mix of the two, the perfect monster, as it were. Mm-hmm. Um, and now he thinks that he is superior to everyone uh, because of his, you know, of his heritage and, you know, all of his, his uh, well, he's genetics. now the planet's rightful owner. He feels yeah. that Genova has been robbed of her rightful place, robbed of the throne on yeah. the planet. And now he... He rationalizes everything he's going to do from here on out as justice for Genova. Yes, because he's literally saying that, oh, yeah, you, sh- you should have ruled this planet. You're stronger, you're smarter. But then they came. The dumb humans. Those dullards. <laughs> they took the planet away from you. And then, uh, yeah, we get uh, a nice little scene of uh, him tearing down the armor slash life support whatever the hell that thing is and which I, is that's from the for that's from og isn't it yep that like with all the, like the brown liquid coming out of the, the eye sockets and stuff i'm pretty sure that was an og yes it was um uh yeah and then we get to, yeah zach gets his moment of i trusted you man and sephiroth's like i don't even care anymore <laughs> he's detached he's not what's the thing he's in a in a sense, he's not really Sephiroth anymore. Yeah, he's he's c- c- become you know the enemy of the world, you might say. Oh no, the chosen <laughs> one, the chosen yeah. one. Well, yeah, in his in his eyes, yes. <laughs> uh, yeah, where the clouds, uh, not cloud. Sorry, Zach is literally like, "You're not the Sephiroth I once knew," and uh, he's like, "No, I've been chosen by the planet to leave the planet to." I forgot exactly what he says, but uh, what does he say? I've been chosen. I've been chosen to rule this planet, which is weird because it's like the last time we saw you, dude, you were not this. You were not this on on or unhinged, I should say. <laughs> and then it's like you. I mean, I, I, you know, it was implied there that he didn't sleep any of those seven days that he was researching all that stuff. He even looks and in during this scene, uh, he actually kind of looks a little. Like extra pale. Yeah. See, I and think it, what a lot of that is is I actually think the closer in proximity you are to Genova, the, the mo- more the more power she's able to exert over you. Yeah, and it, yeah, it definitely kind of looks like you know he has like kind of like the bags under his eyes. Like he doesn't look like the Sephiroth that we've seen before this point. He looks Correct. like a different person at the well, you know, he doesn't you know have that same energy. 
Um, but yeah, then we, you know, we duke it out with him for a little while. And then, uh, he, <laughs> good old Octa Slash happens a shit ton of times. And it's hype as shit. But then we get to see, uh, we get to see the scene that we see in OG, um, with Zack getting flung out <laughs> onto the staircase leading up to the Genova door. And, uh, this to me, I remember when I first saw this back when I played it originally, um, I was like, oh shit, like this is that scene. <laughs> like I didn't, mm-hmm. like it didn't, like it didn't really click for me until I saw Zach like laying on the stairs and I was like, oh shit, we're in the middle of that right now. And, uh, yeah, we get to see, I like the, the scene of like, um, when Sephiroth, you know, he looks, you know, he kind of, he's looking at Zach on the, on the stairs and then he turns around to go back to Genova and the, and the Buster Sword lands in between the two of them and like abs- completely obscures Sephiroth from view. Um, I don't know why I like that, but I think I do. <laughs> it was a nice cinematic presentation. It's like, like symbolic kind of, yeah. yeah. As we're, you know, about to come uh, to the point where our boy... Uh, as the point at this point, we just see him as a rando uh, Shinra trooper comes up, picks up the Buster Sword, and fucking stabs that motherfucker <laughs> straight through, straight through the back and into uh, the Genova tube. Which is, and I love the look on Sephiroth's face when that happens because he's like, "What? Who even is you?" <laughs> yeah, it probably doesn't. It probably. Probably doesn't feel good that essentially, even though you're taking out your revenge on the entire human race, in many ways it's been catalyzed by what Shinra has done to you. And then in your moment where you finally think you've achieved at least some sort of justice for mm. what you think is right, some Shinra guard her A regular, a regular he, dude. He's regu- not. Just, <laughs> it's just a regular human. No enhancements. No. Well, the only thing that is enhancing him is his love of Tifa and Zack at this point. I would say, you know, it's like he's just being bolstered by his emotions and he was able to fucking take out this motherfucker. And I always believed that. And we'll see with remake. I always believed that there's some origin to cloud that was never fleshed out i think there is a reason that he's a little bit stronger or more talented than your average joe that's i've always been curious about that because it's always seemed like i was saying earlier is that he always had like this latent ability in him you know and of course it might just be you know fucking you know anime protagonist oh he had the you know he had the latent you know raw talent or whatever you know but i think there could be something else there that they could explore i think so Um, that uh, that could explain a little bit because you got to remember um, as we're about to see, uh, which by the way, just real quick, I love I love this scene uh, when Sephiroth comes back out from the Genova door. He's got Genova's head <laughs> in his hands, which I always thought was kind of funny that he just took the head and he didn't bother with the rest of the body. Well, this um, was something that actually made things make a little bit more sense to me. I never I never noticed it. I never quite noticed. Obviously, it's implied Genova has a brain, but it's like seeing Genova's brain. Like you can literally see it, yeah. It made it all kind of make sense to me. It's just like in a oh, weird I mean, way. I guess he, I guess he doesn't really need the rest of her body, but you know, 
Uh, I just thought it was always kind of funny that he's just like, he's just carrying her head just out, not like in a bag or, you know, or in like in a jar or anything, you know, it's just always kind of like, this seems like a super important thing that you wouldn't want to just have waving around. Yeah. But um, yeah, just no, this, this scene of uh, Sephiroth coming back out of the door and uh, Zack says, uh, Cloud, you finish Sephiroth off and... Cloud picks up the Buster Sword, and then you get this this shot from uh, t- from on top of the stairs, looking down at Cloud, and he goes Sephiroth, and then he fucking charges up the stairs at him, and I'm just like, oh, like I get goose, I'm getting goosebumps now just thinking about it. It's well, like it's the ultimate showdown, and that's like, like this the is the first begin- one. This is the beginning of their rivalry. You know, this is someone who he looked at as a hero, and now is become well, his number one enemy and i love i love the little bit of symbolism here cloud is at the bottom of the staircase Sephiroth yep. at the top yep and they, yeah that i just the, the way that they do all the camera work and stuff in here is great and then yeah of course we get to see uh, one scene in particular that i was always curious to see in a little bit higher definition is when Sephiroth stabs cloud through the chest <laughs> and then they kind of they kind of finagle it in this and i was a little upset by it but uh, you know, as as the scene in original goes, uh, you know, when Cloud picks up Sephiroth, he he grabs the sword that is piercing his chest and uses his own body weight to pick up Sephiroth on the other side of the sword and throw him into uh, into the reactor. Um, it's such a like I I've always loved that scene because it seemed so ridiculous back in like the 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 old days with the polygons and shit and I'm like oh maybe they'll make it make more sense uh, with a little bit more detail not really it's just no. hype sh- it's really just hype as shit well and it that's gets really all that listen matters. the more and more we HD the scene the cooler it's gonna get yeah. I just hope when we see it in remake I really want to see Cloud push that sword through his torso even further oh. just to like get the better <laughs> grip and then lift this son of a bitch yeah and and I, of course I love you know as Cloud is lifting Sephiroth up off the ground. Sephiroth's just like, no, impossible. How could a regular person do this? <laughs> Where Zack failed to do this. Cloud has been stabbed through the chest fully and is pulling the blade even more into himself. And honestly, Sephiroth could have easily probably killed him at this point, but he was probably so befuddled that a random, a regular ass human is able to do this. Um, yeah, it's just, I, it kind of makes me, it's like moments like this that I'm like, Oh yeah, this is why clouds a badass. It's not because cloud says he's a badass. It's like, he d- actually does do badass shit. <laughs> when push comes to shove, man, he just needs to be he pushed. Can, yeah. He can, he can really deliver when it actually, uh, when it actually matters. And, uh, yeah, then right after that, we get, uh, (laughs) we get our our little, uh, cloud stumbles out and then he falls onto the stairs and the, I love how they made, they included the detail of like, you know, you know, if someone actually fell down face first on a stair, they're like, you know, they will slide. They're kind of flopping around a little bit. Yeah. And then, uh, we get, uh, Zach being like, yeah, cloud, you did it. And then we get our nice little twist out fade to black but it's not over yet it's not because we get to see yet we get to see a little peek from zach's perspective of they're still in they're still in that building and uh our good old boy uh professor hojo shows up 
And uh, he goes over to Cloud and he goes, Oh, this one, hmm, you'll make a fine test subject. <laughs> As an evil scientist man would want to do. <laughs> um, and yeah, I think that is probably, we're, 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 pushing, we're pushing some, this is one of our longer episodes of recent Oh yeah, uh, dates, I, think so. I think that's a good place to cap. It. I, I think, think it's a good Ho- place to cap it off. Hojo bringing them in just before a time skip. I think this is a good place to mm. to hold up. Yeah, and I feel like it, it worked out so well that I mean, I at a certain point I was like, ah, oh, you know, maybe you know, Nibelheim would be great for one episode. And then I'm like, oh, maybe we should have we should have split it out to two. But uh, no, I think I I um, you know for a scene that is so important to this franchise, <laughs> you know, or like the, this particular game in the franchise. Um, I think they did it really well, all things considered, because this is, you know, you got to think that this game came out, uh, what was it, 2002, 2003, somewhere around there. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, that was, you know, at least, you know, f- six years or so after the original. And, you know, we had... You know, this is the only prequel that we know of. Oh, I guess there's before before crisis, crisis. you know, a Japanese mobile game, not the most prolific (laughs) of uh, of uh, media formats. But, um, you know, it's it's nice to see them revisit the scene. And I would love now seeing this. I want to see them revisit it again. (laughs) I can't wait. I cannot wait for the remake version of Nibelheim. It's going to be unbelievable. Because, uh, yeah, because, I mean, I wonder I wonder if they're just going to wait until the party gets there to, like, maybe do some of the stuff. Uh, I would I guess that would make the most sense. Yeah. Um, you know, because then, that, you know, that's when we can get Vincent and all that stuff as well there. Yep. And then also use that as a, you know, Cloud and Tifa can have their own horrible PTSD flashbacks. You know, have fun for the whole family. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> But uh, yeah, no, I, I really this I, I, I when I was rewatching this um, this parts uh, for this episode, I was like I was getting like super extra excited again. Like it made me do because like, this man. is it. Like I said, we brought it up before. This scene is the crux of the whole plot, like the whole plot orbits this scene. Yeah, um, it's really cool to see it fleshed out, even in PSP graphics. And, you know, I feel like third time is going to be the charm. I think the third time we yeah. see this scene fleshed out, it's going to be really electrifying really electrifying because as much as i love this scene and like i had mentioned like kind of periodically throughout this episode of like there's some things that disappoint me a little bit that there's some things i wish they went a little bit more into detail on but you know it's you know for what it is it's more fleshed out than when we got in the original so you know i think for the time and you know living in a world that we didn't know where that remake was going to exist i think it's totally fine but now that we have all these other possibilities, I'm way more excited for what the future has to hold. Likewise, but, uh, dude. Likewise. Yeah, I think uh, unless is there anything else that you wanted to? No, I'm mention? all I'm all set. Um, I think I think we covered all our bases really well. Yeah, I think I, I hopefully it, I I feel like I have the same thing at the end, especially when we do a longer episode like this. I'm like I hope I brought up everything. <laughs> that I wanted to bring up. And then I know as soon as we end this, I'll be like, fuck, I forgot to bring this up. But, um, would you like to, would you like to, I would love to, I would love to, let's do this. Three, two, two, one. one.
fix that one in post. <laughs>